Welcome to Watershed's June podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the head of programme here at Watershed. In 2008, we did a retrospective of the Austrian director Ulrich Seidel to tie in with the release of his new film, Import-Export. Still, for me, one of the key films of the last decade. This interest in Seidel came about through two routes. Firstly, in early 2007, in conversation with artist, filmmaker and friend John Smith, John mentioned that he had seen some incredible documentaries at the Oberhausen Film Festival, and they were of a different order and magnitude than anything he'd seen for a while. That praise, coming from someone of the calibre of John, etched the name Ulrich Seidel in my curatorial brain as someone to watch out for. The second route was at the 2007 Cannes Film Festival, where I was overwhelmed on seeing a film called Import-Export, screening and competition. As is the case at a festival like Cannes, you can see films with no reviews, no context beyond it is in the festival, or indeed, any attention to who directed it. This was the case for me with Import-Export. Following that visceral response to the intensity of the film, I realised the director's name and that John Smith was right. I researched Seidel's back catalogue and discovered documentaries like Models, where he depicts the harsh realities of the modelling industry, positing the women's quest for love and beauty and their destructive patterns as symptomatic of wider contemporary experience. And Jesus You Know, where Seidel employs the intimacy of prayer as an entry point into revealing the everyday complaints and deepest secrets of six figures as they beseech Jesus as a best friend, therapist and fortune teller. The director's style has an unflinching view of his subject, of the eccentricities and foibles, but this is not cold, dispassionate or even, it could be argued, critical, but rather a view which reveals loneliness, compassion and warmth and ultimately a profound humanity. The criticism, I would argue, is of the wider conditions in society that become manifest through these individual obsessions. Also, it must be remembered that Seidel studied art and photography and his films are brilliantly framed, exquisitely constructed formal exercises in filmmaking. Paradoxical, you might think, for a documentary filmmaker, but when you remember that John Grierson, the founding father of the documentary movement, defined the genre as the creative treatment of reality, you realise that Seidel is pushing the boundaries of that creative treatment. Audiences' response to Seidel's films can be quite extreme, sometimes even hostile. If you watch the onstage interview I conducted at Watershed, at one point an audience member feels that Ulrich is trying to trick us all. He describes his own relation to audiences this way. I don't seek to entertain people with my films, but to touch them, perhaps even disturb them. My films are critical not of individual people, but of society. I want the people in the theatre to be confronted with themselves. On his website, ulrichseidel.com, the words director, scriptwriter, producer, voyeur, misanthrope, cynic, social pornographer, blackguard, provocateur, pessimist, humanist, appear rapidly beneath his name. I would add artist. He is to filmmaking what Goya is to painting fearlessly depicting the contemporary reality that surrounds him, bringing us face to face with uncomfortable truths, frailties and imperfections of the human condition that in effect mark out our very humanity. And so to paradise, 
a trilogy of films that was born of a single film idea, something he discusses in the Watershed interview. The starting point was the modern day sex tourism of middle-aged white European women who holiday in Africa to have sex with locals. This single idea, exploring modern love, has been expanded to take in faith and hope. I titled our season on the director in 2008, Between Heaven and Hell, the films of Ulrich Seidel. This still feels apposite for Seidel's work and could now be added to with Between Heaven and Hell, Paradise. Paradise Love opens for a week at Watershed on 14th of June, with an opportunity to see the complete trilogy on 16th of June, before Paradise Faith and Paradise Hope open in July. To watch the interview from 2008 with Ulrich Seidel at Watershed, go to watershed.co.uk forward slash dshed and search for Ulrich Seidel. Joss Whedon is without doubt Hollywood's renaissance man. Have a look at his Wikipedia listings and you see a career which charts the recent successful history of mainstream film and television, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer to The Avengers, which grossed a quite ridiculous amount of money within two weeks of its release in 2012. He has done script work on a host of Hollywood feature films, from Toy Story to Alien Resurrection. He draws heavily on comic book influences, style, techniques and adaptation, but is equally adept at re-energising stale genres, such as he did recently with the horror Cabin in the Woods. Why then is Watershed screening such a mainstream figure's film? After all, isn't our approach to promote the unknown, the alternatives to the mainstream? Recently I found myself describing my approach to Watershed's film programming policy in these terms. Take a figure like Quentin Tarantino. Everyone now knows who he is, and his films are screened in every cinema. I remember a time though when no one had heard of this young guy with his first feature film Reservoir Dogs, a film which the UK distributor at the time was going to put out straight to video as they viewed it as quite nasty and brutish. We in the independent exhibition sector loved the film and wanted to screen it in our cinemas. The distributor agreed and the response was phenomenal. Now Tarantino is the commercially successful director who does not need our support Django Unchained played in every screen in Bristol, indeed across the country, unlike when Reservoir Dogs opened. This contrasts with a director like, say, David Lynch, who almost made the commercial big time with Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart, but whose vision is ultimately too esoteric, idiosyncratic for mainstream tastes. So a cinema like Watershed will be there for him. His last film, Inland Empire, is presented as a case for the defence. Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing is like a reverse example of Tarantino. What does the energetic go-to guy for finger-on-pulse pop culture do when he has a spare week between finishing shooting and starting editing The Avengers? He does a small-scale improvised DIY version of Shakespeare with his friends, naturally. It was a film not intended in the Hollywood blockbuster scale or aimed at the billion-dollar international market. I suspect Whedon wasn't even thinking about it getting a release, but really being a creative downtime exercise between blockbuster duties. However, something from such a prodigious, popular creative force has value culturally, and that is where we come in. And so pop culture's renaissance man brings Shakespeare to watershed. How much commercial value is to be determined? As well as analysing the reworking of Shakespeare, 
I will be hoping that the Weed and Midas touch will also leap from the mainstream to the art house. Much Ado About Nothing opens on 14th of June. To accompany Shakespeare's reappearance on screen, our June Sunday brunch season features five different cinematic takes on the playwright, from Kurosawa's Throne of Blood to Shakespeare in Love. That's all for this month.